Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Father, we honour you. Jesus, we lift high your name. Father, we're so grateful that you chose the cross. That in that garden of Gethsemane, it was not my will, but your will, Father, be done. God, I thank you that you were obedient even to death under the cross. God, I'm so grateful that you broke for my life, that you bled for my life, that you loved me enough to die for me. Father, I'm so grateful you didn't stay dead, but you rose, that you defeated death, that you are victorious, that you are living, that you are seated at the right hand of the Father, that you intercede on behalf of my life. God, I'm so grateful for your love. I'm so grateful for your mercy. I'm so grateful for your grace that even though I don't deserve it, yet you keep giving it and keep giving it and keep giving it. God, I love you. Thank you. God, I thank you. Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that it's less of me, more of you, God. I thank you for hearts that are ready and prepared for your word. God, would you minister? Would you begin to minister even now as we pray, God, you begin to minister to hearts and lives that people would experience your touch and know that grace and that mercy and that love that we sing about. God, I thank you that you are for us, you're not against us. That you will never leave us nor forsake us. But you love us and there's no principality or power or devil that can ever separate us from your love. God, I'm so grateful. If all I ever have is the name of Jesus, I have enough. If all I ever have is the cross at work in my life, I have enough. If all I ever have is the sweet name of Jesus to lay hold of, I have enough. Father, we thank you this morning. Jesus, and come on church, can we lift up his name this morning? He's so worthy. He's so worthy. Amen, amen. Hey, well, you may be seated. Good morning. So good to see you in church. The kings are on the coast. They saw the light. They're in the promised land. They made it through the desert. Well done, guys. Good to see you this morning. Worship team, you're amazing. Thank you. Hey, well, I get the privilege of bringing the word again this morning. And um, one thing that really frustrates me, I think it's the sanguine inside of me that boils up when I'm preaching and I end up over here and I end up over there. And then I forget where I am over here. And then you get home and you're like, man, I really missed saying what I wanted to say. So this morning, I'm going to try to be a little less Pentecostal and a bit more Baptist, all right, if I can. Pastor is like, please don't, please don't. But, you know, as we come into December and we get ready to close off 
another year, it really presents for us an opportunity to look back and reflect. Perhaps for some of you, it's been a year that's been amazing, full of victories, full of blessings. Maybe for some of you, it's been a hard year, right? It's been full of challenges. It's had its struggles. I know for me personally, it's been a year of navigating valleys, wrestling certain principalities and powers, and really, I guess, learning the hard way what it means to surrender again to God, to learn to let go of things in my life that are not serving me well. But whatever the condition of your year is, what I want to encourage you this morning is that you and I can step over the threshold of 22 into 23 Carrying the peace of God on the inside of us, regardless of the year. And Philippians 4 to 6, a great scripture in the Bible says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's something to be said about finishing this year with a heart of thankfulness. And Pastor Melissa said it so well that if you look hard enough in your life, regardless of the challenges and the struggles, you can find something to be grateful for. Amen. Whether it's the family that you are a part of, whether it's as simple as the home that you live in and the roof that's on your head and the food that is on your table, whether it's where you live. Man, I tell you, I wake every day and pinch myself as to where we live. I reckon the sunny coast has to be one of the best places in Australia to live. So I am grateful for that. But I want to charge you with this. Become a person that develops a habit in your life that when you wake up in the morning and you open your eyes, find something that you can be grateful for and offer it to God. Because when your heart becomes a place filled with gratitude... Things change in your life. Perspective changes in your life. Things that used to irritate you and annoy you no longer do because you have thankfulness and gratitude in your heart. And the thing for us as a church coming into December is celebration. And as a people and as family, as communities, there's so many reasons to celebrate. But as a body of Christ, I want to ask the question, what is it that we should be celebrating and why? Because I think as the world sees it, Celebration really is just a response to positive experiences that happen in our lives that work out in our favor, right? Whether it's getting married, whether it's promotions, whether it's a win at the races, uh, whatever it is, all very valid and good reasons to celebrate. But this morning, I want to remind us that as people that have really chosen to lay hold of this free gift of eternal life, there is a far more significant and a far deeper reason for us to celebrate. And we celebrate because of this. We have hope. At the very center of why we celebrate as a people of God is because we have hope. And we have hope because you and I have been given the same resurrection life that Jesus attained in himself when he rose from the dead. He's given it to us by faith. Amen. Romans 5 to 6 says this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That never fails to amaze me in my life. Before the very creation of the world, God had already written out the salvation story. 
Before the very creation of the world, God had already figured out a way for you and I to come back to Him. The Bible says that while we were estranged from Him and did not know Him and were living just purely by the dictates of our sinful nature, it says that God had already prepared the perfect land. He had already gotten ready that sacrifice, the only one that could satisfy the debts that you and I Oh, amen. And the thing that amazes me is that why would God, the very great I am, who flung the stars into infinite galaxies, put up with the planning and the heartache and the preparation for humanity, a people that the Bible says our lives are but dust, that our lives are just a speck, a, a moment in time compared to the light of eternity, right? Why would God do that? Well, Ephesians 1 to 4 gives us a bit of a clue. He says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will because of his great love. Because it gives him great pleasure to no longer call you a servant, but to call you sons and daughters, to see us brought out of darkness and into his glorious light, that we're no longer orphans, but we have been adopted through the work of the cross, through Jesus Christ, into a family of God. And I want to remind us this morning that God's very predisposition towards you is one of love. Yeah. <laughs> that his very nature is that when he beholds you, he wants to draw near to you. He wants to come close to you. He wants to be involved in your life. <laughs> God declares this, that he will never leave you nor forsake you, that he loves you. And what he spoke to Joshua still rings true to us today, and it's this, that I will never leave you nor forsake you, so be strong yeah. and courageous, because I will always be with you. Where others have forsaken you, I will be faithful. Yeah. I don't change. I'm the same God yesterday, today, and forever. I will be with you. And because of this very truth, you and I have a reason to hope. And it's a hope that stands outside of our struggles and our disappointments and maybe the defeats that we've had to endure this year. I remember a very familiar Christian saying, I used to hear a lot in church circles when I got saved, and it's this, that when you're down to nothing, God is up to something, right? And the, the idea is that even if you can't feel it, even if you can't see it, even if you can't discern it, with your natural senses, God is always up to something in your life. Whether you've had a brilliant year or a barren year, God, by his very nature, is always up to something in your life. And we know that he was definitely up to something in the life of the Israeli people, right? If you have your Bibles, I want you to come with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 11. And it says this in verse 1. It says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. What this is, is a very promising prophecy that Isaiah is delivering to a people and a nation that at this time have been cut down and reduced to almost nothing. Because by the time we find the children of Israel in this chapter, in this verse, in this book, there are people that have walked away from God. They're worshipping other idols. They've moved away from that covenant relationship that God had with them. And God is on the very cusp of wanting to destroy them. He's so angry at their, their disbelief and their hardness of heart and their disobedience. But at the same time, 
In the scripture, there speaks a promise of redemption that seems to echo 700 years before the birth of Christ through the prophet Isaiah. He says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. And could it be that the branch Isaiah is talking about is a baby that's going to be born in a small town called Bethlehem? Could it be that this prophet is seeing through seven centuries into yours and my future hope? You know, Peter calls it a living hope. The author of Hebrews calls it an anchor for our souls. And so we celebrate the season understanding that our hope has come. But I want you to understand not only has it come, but it's finished all the work that it was sent to do. For the very reason that it has come and it is accomplished when Jesus went to Calvary, he did everything that God set out for him to do. What that means for you and I is that on that cross, Jesus paid in complete Every debt that we would be owing because of our sin. It says that he wiped the slate clean. Every blessing, every breakthrough, every provision, every healing, everything that you and I will ever need, every strength. It says that he came and he completed the work on the cross. So not only has that hope come into the world, but it's completed everything. And you and I have an opportunity to lay hold of that in our lives. And to walk out the promises in the work of what Jesus did for us. Amen. Amen. And it's a certain kind of hope. It's not a hope that, it's not a fool's hope. It's not a hope that kind of floats because real hope is like an anchor. The Bible says that it doesn't float on the surface of situations in your life, but it gets down deep on the inside and it holds on tight while you're going through struggles and you're going through challenges and you're facing uh, things in your life, mountains before you. Paul tells us in Romans 8, 24, he says, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope, if we can hold on and hold out for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. The title of my message this morning is this, Hope That Holds. Because what Isaiah's prophecy and Paul's theology have in common is they're trying to explain to us a certain kind of hope. Not the kind of hope that you might have as a footy fan, you know, hoping that your team's going to win the premiership this year, or the hope that you have buying a lottery ticket, that this is the year I'm going to win big, or maybe simply hoping for great weather in the weeks to come, because tossed around like that, we all know that the word hope has very little meaning. It's neither here nor there, right? I'm talking about a certain kind of hope, and it's a hope that often has to be learned the hard way. How many of you have ever had to learn something the hard way in your life? It's never ever pleasant, right? But some things you just have to learn through perseverance and through time and experience. And hope that holds in your life is developed this way. Romans 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts to the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For those of you that know Angela, you know that we've been blessed with three beautiful kids. And I think I've shared the story before, but I remember when Noah, our firstborn, was probably about nine years old, and I was doing school drop-offs, and we're in the car, and I said to Noah, who's been your favorite teacher so far? 
And he kind of looked at me with a skewed up face. I said, well, you know, who's been your favorite teacher? He said, well, it depends, Dad. Do you mean who's the teacher that I've had the most fun with? Or who's the teacher that I've learned the most from? Because depending on what you mean by favorite, it's a different answer. And so we started to have this deep conversation in the car. But as we're having this conversation, it got me thinking about my own walk of faith through the seasons in my life. And here's what I want to try and say, that the seasons that have been fun have not necessarily been the seasons that I produced the most fruit in my life. But the seasons that I would not necessarily choose to walk through where I've had to persevere and overcome struggles and challenges are the seasons where I've matured. Where I've come to hear God's voice more clearly, where I've bore fruit in my life. Amen. And there are some seasons in your life that will cut you down, that will take the branches off you. Those seasons are called pruning seasons. But I want to encourage you that even in the pruning, God gives us a promise. He says, I see a shoot coming forth from the stuff. And maybe you find yourself a little bare at the end of the year. Maybe you find that you've experienced loss, but I want to champion you that there is still hope. Because from the very burnt out ashes of your experiences, God, in his infinite grace and mercy, can choose to bring forth new life and a new hope and a new beginning. As I says, I see a stump, but I see a shoe. I see something coming out of what's been cut down. If you will hold on to him and not let go, you will experience a God, the great creator, who can take what is bad, who can take what feels like it has no hope, who can take what is broken and he can begin to fashion it in his hands into something that can be used for his glory. Amen. And so we celebrate because we have hope. But we have to remember how it came to be. Very soon we're going to see the nativity story probably everywhere. Right in shopping windows and at schools, and it seems to come out obviously this time of year. But if we consider the nativity story for a moment and really look at what is happening when you read it, I know I start to think anyway that it had to be hard, right? It, if you think about it, it had to be really hard for Joseph to look at his bride to be. The Bible says that they were betrothed to look at his bride to be, who's now pregnant. And not think that she's obviously been doing something silly or fooling around. But no, Joseph, it's from God. It's okay. I mean, that had to be hard. Who knows? If my daughter Indy came home pregnant and said, don't worry, Dad, it's God's. We're going for a little drive with a sort of shotgun to find God and sort it out. Right? So it had to be hard. I'm just saying that. It had to be hard for Mary. It had to be hard for Mary, right, to look at people in that culture and society she was in as a young Jewish woman betrothed to her husband already pregnant, and convince people, no, that's okay, this is God. If you think about it physically, the way that God chooses to come into the world actually shows us something about the nature of how he chooses to work. And I think maybe through the years and the generations, we've sanitized the nativity story, and the danger in that is that we strip it of its significance. Because if we choose not to see the struggle in the Christmas story, we actually choose to miss a window through which we see how God chooses to operate in our lives. You see, because um, when God wanted to come into the world, not only did he choose a virgin, a womb that represented impossibility so he could bring forth infinite possibility, but when God chose to come into the world to bring forth his son, he did it in a time that was incredibly difficult. Not only that, but when Jesus was about to be born, who knows, there, ain't, there were no hotel reservations, right? If God, the great I am, 
is choosing to come into the world, incarnate in the flesh, you'd think at least he would take 10 seconds to Airbnb or something so that Mary and Joseph have somewhere to have the baby, but he doesn't. Why? Because it had to be hard. And I think we miss this because sometimes we think, well, if God is going to do something in my life, that it's just going to be magical. It's just going to be pleasant. It's just going to be enjoyable, like a facial or a massage. But I want to tell you that it doesn't work that way. Often when God wants to do something in your life to grow you and mature you and get you ready for the promises he has for you, it's going to be hard. Right? It's going to be hard. But I think God does that on purpose. He prunes you back and he cuts you down so that from that place of maybe having removed distractions from your life, maybe having moved some idols out of the way, maybe having to get you to a place where you're on your knees, but now all you can do is focus on Him. God can begin to prepare. God can begin to call forth new life and a new shoe and a new promise and a new hope. Amen? Amen. Because He did it for Moses. Poor Moses. I keep talking about Moses, but Moses was called, right? God called him. God chose him. You're going to go and deliver my people. But Moses wasn't equipped for the job. This is going to require some elegance of speech. By the way, you don't have that. But I want you to go. And here's the deal, Moses. When you go and you get there and you finally get to talk to Pharaoh, he's not going to let my people go. Hang a minute. God, so why are you sending me on a mission I don't have the skill set for? And then you tell me unequivocally that when I get there, I'm going to fail. It doesn't make sense, right? Because it had to be hard. Because I want you to, I want you to catch this, right? I want you to catch this. If Moses had walked into Israel, uh, into Egypt, walked into the palace of Pharaoh, said, Pharaoh, God has sent me to tell you that you're going to let my people go. Pharaoh says, thank God you came, Moses. Take the children. Take our treasure. Take our silver. Go on your way. Thank you so much for coming. That Moses in that minute would have been tempted to puff out the chest a little bit, kind of give Pharaoh that kind of smirky side smoke, turn around and think, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm the deliverer. Maybe I've got the negotiation skills. In fact, thank you, Israel. You can thank me right now for the promised land, right? But we know that it doesn't work like that. God says, no, no, no. When you get there, I want you to understand that I, God, am going to make the journey difficult. I am going to harden Pharaoh's heart so that he's not going to let his people go. Why? So that God can get the glory. God, I want you to hear me this morning. You and I have been created as vessels that bring glory to God. God wants your life to continually reflect His glory. But that only happens when we begin to rely less on ourselves and more on Him. Because it's when God moves in your life to do the impossible that we give Him glory because we know it cannot be us. Right? In other words, if it wasn't hard, you think it's you. If it wasn't hard, you trust in yourself. And yourself is not an adequate support system to carry the glory and the worship that is due God. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So sometimes God's got to allow the impossible in your life so that you know what Mary knew, that God is a God of the impossible, that God can do what we can't do. Amen. And this is kind of crazy because Israel gets out of Egypt and they get to the Red Sea and the natural logical thing for them to do was to simply go around the Red Sea into the promised land. You could have done that. But God says, hang on a second, we're not going to do that. We're going to do it my way, which is the hard way. Moses, lift up your staff, let's part the Red Sea, you're going to traverse the ocean floor. But here's the thing, when you get to the other side, I want you to look back and see that those that have been persecuting you, I'm going to take away, I'm going to drown out. 
Here's the thing, if you had gone the easy way, if you'd gone the way that looks logical, if you'd gone round the Red Sea to the Promised Land, the enemy would have had time to catch up with you and kill you and destroy you. So sometimes God has to go, well, I know that's the way you want it to be, but I want you to trust me and come my way. It's going to feel hard, but through the process of it being hard, I'm going to do a work in your life that's going to drown out the enemy and the voices that you're struggling with. But you've got to trust me. Sometimes it has to be hard because in the hard, God prepares his deliverance. In the hard, God plans your victory. It's in the hard that you find a hope that anchors and a hope that holds. Amen? God likes to do it the hard way. I don't have time to tell you about David and his little pebble. You know, if God wanted to, God could have easily raised up an Israeli giant full of glorious armor with a javelin spear to take out, but he chooses a ruddy little shepherd boy in a pebble. Why? So people cannot deny that that's the hand of God working on behalf of his people to take out the enemy. It had to be hard, Gideon. So you've got 32,000 men. Well, let's get it down to 300 men so we can take out the Amorites, which are much larger and more powerful than you. Why? So that when you get the victory in your life, he knows where the glory is going. To God. Amen. Amen. To God. God's got to sometimes do it the hard way. Maybe for some of you, you've been relying too much on the fruit. And God wants to take the fruit away and cut the branches down because it's a season where he wants to begin to work on your root system. He wants to make your root system strong. It's not something that we see in a tree, but God says this, that when you make your root system strong, When you purpose your root system to go down deep in the word of God, to connect deep with Christ, then here's the deal. It doesn't matter what's coming to prune you. It doesn't matter the seasons, however hard they will be, however hard you prune, because your root system is strong, there is always going to be promise of new life. There's always going to be promise of new growth because you can take it. You can weather it because you've had seasons where God says, now's the time to strengthen your root system. It's not always about chasing the fruit in your life. There's got to be times of preparation in your life because if you're not prepared, God can't bring to you what's next. And God wants to keep moving you forward to mature you and grow you and transform you into who? The image of Jesus Christ. But until we learn sometimes to put ourselves in a place where God's got to do the pruning and the cutting, we're never getting to where God wants us to go. So my charge for you this morning is allow God to do the work in the seasons that maybe you don't understand, where perhaps he's doing more behind you than in front of you. Getting you ready. Amen. You know what, and I'm going to ask you, if you could just pass me my uh, comfy little uh, pillow. It's not that I'm getting old and I need it. It's an illustration, so I'm going to pop it there. And I'm pretty sure I've preached this illustration before, but I want to remind you again of the way of the bouncy ball, right? Clever little bouncy ball. Uh, it has this amazing ability, right, to bounce back. That's what it does. That's a name. That's the function for which it was created to serve. But if I take this bouncy ball that has all this innate purpose in it to bounce back and I create an atmosphere and an environment that's soft and comfortable and predictable and lovely and easy, the bouncy ball bounces away. Oh, bounces away doesn't do what it's supposed to do, right? It doesn't bounce back. In order for this ball to do what it was created to do, in order for this ball to experience bounce back, the surface in which it bounces on has to be what? It has to be hard. 
It has to be hard. And I want to encourage you in your life. Maybe that's why the seasons you're going through right now seem hard. Because God is preparing you for a bounce back. You see, because as believers, you and I have this amazing ability in Christ to bounce back in life. To come back from the, the, the struggles and the challenges that we face. Maybe that's why Jesus was laid in a borrowed grave. Because God knew, well, you can put me down at rock bottom, but guess what? You can't stop the bounce back that's coming. You can put me on the cross. You can stab me, beat me, bleed me out, but it's not going to stop the bounce back that's coming. Three days from now. I want to tell you, church, that you have a hope in Christ because of the resurrection life you've attained through faith that gives you the ability to bounce back. But it only works when you go through seasons that are hard. So if you are going through that season right now, I want to encourage you to persevere. Because in your perseverance, the Bible says that God is developing character on the inside of you. And when you develop character, you have this amazing ability to lay hold of hope that's going to see you get to the other side. And when you get to the other side, God says you're going to look back and see all that you struggled with, I've taken care of. All that was chasing you down, I'm going to look after it. But you've got to keep your eyes on me and keep moving forward. Have hope in Christ. As a matter of fact, the harder the surface, the higher the bounce. So maybe God may have let me be cut down for a little while, but I see a shoot coming and I see a stump coming in my life. God's calling it for. Maybe God's brought me through a season where he's taken away, but know this God will bring you to a season where he's going to restore and he's going to redeem. Amen. Paul says it's harder to hope the more you have Because when you have everything, you lose your ability to hope for what you don't have. Maybe it's hoping for reconciliation that you can't see on the horizon. Maybe it's hoping for health. The doctors said, well, there's nothing more we can do. How do I hope for that? Maybe it's hoping for uh, provision when you know that you're down to nothing. But I want to encourage you, when you're down to nothing, God is up to something. Amen. God is always at work in your life. But maybe it's a season and a time where he says, I want you to lay hold of me because I have to do a work in your life that you don't necessarily see. You see, here's the thing. When Jesus came into the world, he spent the first few years of his life in hiding. He was away from Herod. He wanted to take out the the kids in that time. The political system just wasn't conducive to Jesus being out in the open. So he actually spent the first few years of his life in hiding as a baby. You see, because when God wants to do something in your life, it alerts the enemy to what's going on. And he begins to enable his people to try and circumvent and cut off what God wants to do. So sometimes God says, I want you to trust me because the work I need to do in your life is going to be behind you. You can't see it. But what I'm doing is I'm strengthening that root system. And you've got to allow me to go through the pruning, pruning process with you because when your root system is strong, you're going to live out and walk into the promises that I have for you. Amen. Sometimes God has to do a hidden work in your life. And I want to encourage you as I was preparing this message, I felt God say that some of you maybe are placing your hope in the wrong things. Placing your hope in things that aren't going to last. You know, that your root system hasn't been developed. So when life is good... Man, I've got all the hope in the world. But when life is rough and life is hard, I've got no hope. And I feel like life's falling apart. And God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But I want you to be encouraged that, you know, in my life, in the seasons that I've traversed and journeyed, it's been in those times that have been hard, where God's not making sense, where I haven't necessarily heard Him clearly, but I've made a choice by faith to stand on the Word of God, the promises that He's given me, and say, God, I know who you are. 
I know the work you've done for me at Calvary. I know who I am in Christ. And so all I can do is lay hold of the promises that you have in your word for me to lay hold of you. Like that hope that anchors your life. God, I'm not letting go. Can I tell you this? God is faithful. He will get you to the other side. But those are the seasons in my life where I look back and I go, man, I'm so grateful God has grown me. I'm so grateful God has matured me. And then I understand I couldn't carry what God has for my life if I didn't first allow him to develop my smart root system. I couldn't walk into all the promises that I need. I didn't have the capacity. Here's the thing. When God is taking you through those seasons that are hard, it's because he wants to enlarge your capacity to carry the things of the Spirit in your life. And if you never go through that, you're limited to what God can do with you because you're not agreeing with God to go through the process of maturation, of getting those root systems strong. Amen. But here's the thing. My hope doesn't have to know how if I know who. My hope doesn't have to know why things are not working out if I know who. My hope doesn't even have to know when things are going to get better because I know who. Amen. Some of you have been going through things and you thought God was God. I want to tell you, he's not God, but he's preparing you for growth. He sees a shoot in your life that's coming out of everything that's been cut down, everything that's been good. God is a God that can take anything in your life. But I see very clearly that for some people, the time is coming where he's going to call for something new in your life. Something you've got to hang on to God. You know, I used to think that disappointment Disappointment was the enemy of hope, but I don't think that anymore. I think disappointment is a doorway to deeper hope. You see, because you've got to sometimes learn the hard way when you put your hope in the wrong things, right? You've got to put your hope in people to know that people are not designed to carry the hope that God gives. You've got to put your hope in your bank balance to know that the banks don't carry the hope that only God can give. You've got to put your hope in Christ. You've got to take hold of it. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, another great verse of mine, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Let me encourage you this morning. The hard seasons in your life will not endure forever. The hard seasons in your life will not endure forever. I want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose a future and a hope for your life. Whatever 2022 has brought you, I want you to lay hold of this hope that God has a plan and a purpose and a future as you step over the threshold in a 2023. Amen. But in order to endure the seasons, in order to allow for new growth, in order to allow the promises of God to come to reality in your life, you've got to feed yourself the right food to facilitate growth. Amen. What is that? The Word of God, quite simply. Maybe for some of you, you feel like you've been carried away captive this year and you're stuck in a situation. Let me tell you this. Sometimes it's not always the enemy that carries you away captive. Sometimes God simply allows seasons where you you get sidetracked and you get carried away because He wants you in those pivotal moments in your life to go, I need to make a decision. The Bible, Jeremiah echoes it here. It says, if you will choose to seek me, yeah. You will find me. Yeah. 
God is waiting for some of you to simply make the decision in your life to say, I don't like where I am. I don't understand why I am where I am. But I'm going to make a decision by faith to say, God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to seek you. And I know that your word says, if I will do that with everything on the inside of me, that you will be, I will find you. I'll lay hold of you. And the beautiful thing is God says, I'm waiting and I'm ready. That when you find me, seeking me with all your heart, I will carry you back to a place from which I caused you to be carried away. And I will start again to restore things and redeem things in your life. Let me encourage you, church, as we come to the end of a year, that you and I have a reason to hope. It's a living hope. It's a God that's come and accomplished everything for your life. Maybe you're not where you want to be. Maybe you finished this year not where you want to be. Maybe you feel like things haven't worked out and you are held captive to whatever's going on, whatever struggle it is in your life. But if you will do as Jeremiah echoes here, if you will seek God with all your heart, if you will make a decision by faith, God says, I will be found by you and I will bring you back. I will help you to start again. I'll help you to get up. I'll help you to start a new year strong. I'll help you to get clarity in your life as to what it is that I have for you and the purpose that I've got for you. But I want you to lay hold of the living hope. I want you to seek me. Amen. Let me charge you this morning, church, and I might ask the worship team to come up if they can. Make the word of God your food source in 2023. No matter what. No matter what happens, no matter what comes, keep coming back to his word. Keep standing on his word. You know, it's so, it's every year, right? We get to the end of the year and the new year starts and we're all pumped and we've got all our goals and we've got all our plans and it's just, what's the key? How do I make this successful? How do I overcome? How do I get that job and be the better person and lose the weight and eat well and all that kind of stuff that we generally get motivated in? Come the first few, two weeks, week and a half in January before it all falls apart. And I want to say this, simply keep coming back to God. Keep coming back to God. Keep standing on his word. Let praise echo in your life. The Bible says in Matthew that if you would seek first his kingdom, all these things will be added unto you. So I want to encourage you this morning. Stand on the promises of God because he's faithful. Stand on the promises of God because he is faithful. He'll bring you back from captivity. He'll bring you in a place of freedom. He will cause hope to rise again on the inside of you. We stand this morning. 1 Peter 1.3 says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You and I serve a living God. And sometimes we may take it for granted, but I want to encourage you this morning. You and I serve a living God. A living God that's loved you before the creation of the world. His Father sent his only Son to fully complete, to pay in full the debt that was owed. And he's done it. The work is finished. For that very reason, you and I have hope, like an anchor for the soul. And maybe for some of you, you lost hope. And you said, why do I bother hoping every time I step out, I get cut down, I get pushed back, I get disappointed. I feel captive. I feel like God's not with me. He's against me. I want to tell you that's not what the Bible says. 
my God tells me that he will never leave me nor forsake me. That he's loved me so much he sent his son to die on a cross and rise again that I will be reconciled to him. That's how much he loves you. And you don't have to have the answers and you don't have to have figured it all out. You don't even have to know the next steps coming into 2023. But if you would lay hold of God and you would simply keep coming back to his word and say, God, I don't know how to figure this out. But one thing I can do is I can seek you with everything that I have. I will be a seeker of God in 23. I will be a reader of the word of God in 23. I will be a worshiper of God. That I know I can do. God and I trust There's that I step out and I do that. You'll find me. God, you'll find me in whatever circumstance I'm in and you will carry me back to a place of redemption and a place of restoration and a place where your goodness and your mercy and your grace can be felt again in my life. Because you are a living God and in you I can hope because you are faithful. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.